Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan and welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to the app store, search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. Now, let's get into the main event, which is the Bible. And today we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 13, verses 5 through 13. So if you have your Bibles with you, you want to turn to that. Uh, Genesis, for those of you who don't know, it's basically the first book in the Bible. Not basically, it is the first book in the Bible. So just turn there and uh, we'll get into it. Um, but I don't, I don't know about you, but uh, like... I, I mean, I don't know why I say this, but it's obvious that I'm short. You know, I'm like 5'4". My wife thinks I'm 5'3 now. She thinks I've shrunk, you know. I don't know if my weight brought me down or what it was, but uh, I'm definitely like around 5'4". And in high school, I weighed 125 pounds. And what I discovered early on is obviously I wasn't a big guy. So what you do is you surround yourself with big friends, all right? And that way you can be mouthy, okay? Because if you have big friends, they got to come to your support. And I remember we had a, we had a guy in high school... He was the mouthiest guy, nice guy, mouthiest guy, and he would always mouth people off, and I think he did that because he knew that we had his back, you know, but he would always do these things, and we're like, you're an idiot, you know, like, you're going to get yourself in trouble, but I think he was an opportunist and knew that, man, if I say stupid stuff, these guys are going to come, and, and so oftentimes we had to defend him, but I love, I love having friends like that, and, and I have to tell you, I would often get myself in trouble because I'm just stupid like that, you know, and, and uh, when I was on the football field, uh, one of the positions I played was linebacker, and so they would have uh, certain drills where you would just get in with your group. And the senior linebackers, man, they were some big dudes. If um, To me, they were. And it was, I think they're still probably pretty big, but they were guys like, I think his name was Rick Johnson and Cliff Branstetter, and these guys that were just bigger than life to me growing up. And um, so we would do these linebacker drills, and one of the things that they would do is they would have, like, the freshman linebacker, they would have us run the ball, and then they would pound on us, you know, and and probably because we weren't worth anything at that time because they, you know, they didn't need us for games and stuff, so they could beat up on us. And so there was this one day we had this practice, and um, it was my turn to run the ball, and the guys were blocking or whatever, and these linebackers in the defensive line, they were coming after me, and somehow I got through, and I, I scored like this little touchdown. And I don't know whatever came me, but I decided to st- spike the ball and just do a little dance. And I was, a, I was a Wesleyan through and through, and we weren't allowed to dance growing up, so it was a, it was a poor dance. But it still made me feel good about myself, you know. So I did this little dance, and uh, I mean, it just, it ticked those dudes off. And it ticked the um, linebacker coach, it ticked him off as well. And so he told the other coach, he said, run the same play. And the idea was, Chuck's going to get the ball, and we're just going to destroy him. And so I knew that was coming or whatever. And um, so anyway, so they called the play, and uh, I, I want to thank the Lord for this. But for some reason, the coach didn't get the memo that it was to hurt me. And he subbed me out and put another freshman in. And so this other freshman got the ball. And I mean, boom, he got demolished. You know, and he came back and was like, thanks, Chuck. And I'm like, no problem, dude. That's why you have good friends. You know what I mean? So they can take the punishment for you when you do stupid things, you know. So we're getting into a story today where I think we have a little bit of an opportunist who chose some big friends in life to come alongside of him. And he chose his uncle, Abraham. Or in this part of the story, it's Abram. But you have a guy by the name of Lot who's basically going to be given a decision in life to make. And I don't know if Lot was more of an opportunist and thought, you know, I've got Abram. He's going to be there to always support me and always going to be there with me because he's my big guy that's behind the scenes. 
But I have to tell you, even though we have big people that come around us, I think spiritually, I think within us at times, there's this ability to say, okay, I can make poor decisions because I have a big God who's going to forgive me. And so we walk into some of these poor decisions. And we don't ever recognize that poor decisions have consequences at the end of it. And so as we get into the story today, what you need to understand is even though Lot made, and maybe some of us would have made this same decision, it was a poor decision that ended up costing him his family as well. So let's read today from um, Genesis chapter 13, verses 5 through 13. It says, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Berzites were also living in the land at the time. So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw the, the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zor was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you again for your word and the impact that it makes in our lives. I pray that today that we would be able to examine our own situations and our own lives and say, you know, where are we setting up our sort of places, our lots in life? I pray, Lord, that uh, as we go through this word, and man, it's just powerful as we read these stories and recognize how some connected with you, others didn't, others took things upon themselves. And at times we wonder why, and yet we look at our own lives and say, why do we do the things we do? I pray today that if I mess anything up, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that the only message they would hear today is yours. In your name we pray. Amen. So I entitled this message, Choosing Your Lot in Life, because I want us to think about some of the choices that we make in life. And there's three things to know when choosing your lot in life. First of all, know the source of your strength. So verse 5 says this, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. This is why I say I think that Lot was an opportunist in that he knew that Abram was being blessed by God. He knew that he had these powerful moments with God. God was blessing his territory. God was blessing his flocks. God would begin to bless his family as well. There's something that Lot knew that Abraham was getting it right. And so when the time came to move, Lot said, I'm going to go continue on with Abram. I'm willing to leave everything else I know because where Abram is, that is a safe place. That is a growing place. And that is a, is a, is a moment of protection. So he began to follow him as well. What's interesting in contrast, by the way, is Abram's approach. You see, Abram wasn't dependent upon Lot. Abram was dependent upon whom? The Lord. Like Abraham understood that his source of power, his source of strength, all the riches that he had, had come from the Lord. But according to, according to Lot, Lot saw Abram being blessed and thought, well, I'll just be around him. And even though Lot was a believer, it wasn't like he put his full authority or his full source of support behind the Lord himself. 
I think one of the wise things that Lot did, and I think all of us need to remember this as well, but I think there's an importance of surrounding yourself with people that strengthen you. You know, because we're in a world that you can, you can, you can, you, you got to make choices. I mean, it's part of the free will. It's what God offered right away in the beginning. You got to make these choices in life. But you also got to make the choices of the people you allow to speak into your life. And so what happens from time to time is we either make uh, wise choices and who we surround ourselves, or we make very poor choices. And the scripture suggests that there's an importance of making sure that we bring ourselves alongside people that will strengthen us. So Lot was right in choosing to follow Abram because Abram was close to God. And he knew that that was a wise choice in life. I have to tell you, for me, in choosing people that I'm around, I, I find that people affect the way that I feel, the way that I communicate, and the things that I do. So if I'm around people who are very critical, I tend to get what? Critical. If I tend to be around people that are negative, I have a tendency to get negative. If I have a tendency to hang around people that are a little bit depressed, I find myself feeling the weight of that depression, and I find myself getting down as well. But if we surround our, ourselves with the right people, the right people that speak joy, the right people that give us strength, and by the way, I'm not talking about the extremes where, they're, where it's super annoying, you know, because I know we have those people too, the people that are always up no matter what, and you're like, oh my goodness gracious, you know, like it's hard to be around. I'm talking about the people that really inspire and strengthen you. So there are times when I, I come to a message or I'm around a speaker, and I've had the opportunity to be around like several speakers when I was at youth camps. I'm always impressed by the messages they give, but what's more impressive to me is how they live their life once they're out of that pulpit or once they're out of that stage presence. I want to know how they're living their life differently. I remember traveling with a guy who just got done speaking at this camp, and it was so interesting to me because after he got done speaking at the camp, he said, Chuck, I really want to get back and see my family. He says, look, I'm able to get an earlier flight. Is there any way that you can take me to that, that flight? And I said, yeah, let's go. He says, even if you get a ticket, man, I'll, I'll pay for the ticket. If you could just speed. And I said, yeah, let's do it. And I was so impressed that he was going to get to see his family. And I thought this was a pretty cool thing. But on the way, this is what happened. His flight got delayed. And because his flight got delayed, he was not going to be able to get out when he wanted to. And because he had already changed his flight, he had to end up paying more money to do that. And now he was going to have to leave on a flight that was even later than his original flight and couldn't get back to his original flight. Now, I know how I would have responded in that moment. I would have been upset, would have been ticked, probably would have been trying to yell at somebody, trying to bring this to whatever. This is what this gentleman did. He looked at me and says, man, that stinks. He's like, but I guess God wants me to spend some more time with these teens. Let's go back to the camp. Well, I have to tell you, being around that person strengthened me in my own faith and made me realize that even though bad situations happen and things don't go the way I think that they should, there's still an opportunity to do God's work and we should just rejoice in all circumstances. So it helps to be around those people who strengthen you. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You see, there's something powerful, and I want you to listen to this because there's something that we're going to be doing church-wide that you need to know about now so you can get it on your calendar. I believe in the importance of either Sunday school classes or small groups. I believe that there's an importance that Jesus created us to be in community. And why he created us to be in community is because you and I can strengthen one another. And so what I love is when you and I as individuals, and we had this conversation with our uh, staff, and I asked them the question, what makes you grow the most in your faith? And they said, when I have my personal devotion time. 
to a T, that's what they said. And I thought that was interesting because when you and I grow individually into reading the word, spending time in prayer, singing songs of praise, there are things that you and I are beginning to learn that when we come into a group corporately that we can share with one another that begins to strengthen us. So one of the Bible studies I go to from time to time is a men's Bible study on Saturday mornings. And I have to tell you, they start out with a verse. And as they start out with a verse, somebody over here will say, oh, that reminds me of something I was reading. And then someone else will say, oh, and that connects with what I was reading. And then I find myself connecting with something they're saying that I was reading in my devotions. And before you know it, we've almost covered the whole Bible because of all the things that we're bringing in and we see how that they connect because that's iron sharpening iron. See, what we are planning on in the fall, and I mean, we're going to put some money into this, but what we're planning on the fall, it was we're, it was we're planning on creating a, just a big small group atmosphere. We're going to be doing a study by Pete Cazero that's called Emotional Healthy Spirituality. And it's going to be about deepening our faith. And the sermons in the morning, they're going to be the introduction to it. And then at night, we're going to be taken through a video series. We're going to get it around tables. We're going to be around other believers. We're going to have food provided. There's going to be things for teens and kids to do as well. I mean, we're setting all this stuff up, putting a lot of money into it because we want to invest in people growing spiritually. And I'm telling you that now because you need to put it on your mind and get it on your calendar. You may feel uncomfortable with it. Guys, you may think, man, emotionally, man, you know, I'm not a sissy. I don't want to be a part of that. Listen, this is something that we've got to commit ourselves to do because as a church, we need to grow. And the world we're living in, which we're going to get into in a little bit, is going downhill fast. And especially in America, you've got to pay more attention to this. But the church is losing its voice. Because the church's voice has become the world's voice. And we need to regain our voice. And if you don't understand how to grow spiritually, you're going to be lost in the shuffle. And so again, I want you to put that already in your mind. Proverbs 27.9 says this, and I love this because it's, it's one of those more touchy-feely verses, and I'm not really a touchy-feely guy, but I just love the way that this says it. It says, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart. And it even, in other translations, says it brings healing to the soul or healing to the body. And the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. You see, there's something powerful, again, about surrounding ourselves with the right friends that when I am down, they can say something that lifts me up. Because there are moments and time where I don't feel great. I don't feel like I do a good job as a pastor. There are times that I feel like, uh, like I'm, I'm not communicating well. I'm not getting through to people. I can get a little bit down on myself. And there are people that will speak into my, even this morning, somebody said, Pastor Chuck, da, 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 da. And it just made me feel, okay, I can do this. But you and I know that there are moments when you just don't feel great about yourself. And you need someone that comes in sort of like sweet perfume that reminds you like, yeah, you don't stink. All right, you smell great, and this is what I see in your life. And man, there's something about you that lifts us up. Now, here's the thing you can do one of the unwise things and surround yourself only with people who build you up. And they build you up in such a way that they deny all your faults. But I love this second passage of scripture that we have because Proverbs again says this in 28 3 it says, Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than the one who has a flattering tongue. In other words, there are times that you and I need to be called on the carpet about something. And in ministry, that's happened to me. Somebody will say, you know, I don't really think that that's the way a pastor should have responded. 
And even though I hate to hear it, I'm like, you're right. I shouldn't have responded that way. I, I tell you constantly, there are times as a father when I haven't done something right, where I've come home kind of in a bad day, maybe something bad at work happened or something that just um, is just a little bit more pressure for me and, and I'm sitting in that moment and kind of stewing on it and then the kids do something and then I respond negatively. You see, I need a wife who comes in and rebukes me from time to time and says, honey, is this really the way you need to respond to that? I'm going to say, you're right. But I love in my wife because I have a person that can rebuke me and a person that perfumes me as well and says, hey, you're doing a great job. Glad I'm married to you. I know we don't always get everything right, but I'm so proud to be your wife. See, surrounding ourselves with people that really strengthen us. And then Proverbs 22, 24 through 25 says this. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn that your ways get yourself ensnared. And again, it's about the idea that if you're going to put yourself around hot-tempered people, what do you think you're going to end up doing? You're going to be upset as well. You can see this, by the way, happen in the church all the time. Get a group of people, one person's upset about one thing, they get around another group, and they all of a sudden, you know, it's this domino effect, and you, all, and you realize they're upset about really nothing. And churches can split over nothing. Churches, most of the time, don't split over the cross. Churches often split over really stupid things. But I will tell you this. I think the day is coming where churches are going to split for the right and wrong reasons. And I'll get into that in a little bit. This leads us to the second point. Again, so surround yourself with strong people. I think that that's what Abram did. Abram surrounded himself with God. Lot made the decision to follow Abram, but he just didn't get the God thing on top of that. So then, secondly, is this. Choose wisely where you camp out. So we go through verses 6 and 9, and we read this, but the land could not support them while they stayed together. They started looking at their possessions. They started looking at the quarrels that were coming between Abraham and Lot. Uh, you look at the people who were also occupying the land. And so Abraham says to Lot, he says, Lot, look, we've got all this stuff before us. Why don't, why don't you choose which way you'll go, and I'll choose the way that I want to go, and, and that's what we'll do. And I have to, again, one of the interesting things to me is that you and I make a decision where we camp out. And that's what Lot's beginning to do. Lot's beginning to make a decision where he is going to camp out. And again, I don't know a lot about camping. That's, that's just not my thing. I know some of you do it, but I, I know some of the basics. All right? I know one of the things about uh, 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 camping is that it's, it's good to choose a, a, a nice flat area to set your tent up. I know that uh, if a river seems to be high and it's going to rain... Probably not a good idea to set up a campsite near there. It's going to be flooded over. I also know that for me personally, I like to go to bed early, so I don't want to camp out near people who want to stay up all night partying, okay, because I want my sleep, or I would become that big angry bear who probably tears your tent apart, okay? So I need to make sure that I set my camp up in a place that's safe. And if you remember a series that we did on um, Sermon on the Mount, one of the things I talked about is the idea of getting too close to sin. And if you remember, I said that I want you to see sin as a cliff that we can easily fall into. And a lot of people like to get as close to sin as they can. A lot of people will ask, like even in dating, they'll say, how far is too far? Which I'm like, that's the terrible question. How far is too far? Is like asking, how close can I get to sin without sinning? I think the better question to ask is, how far can I stay away from that? Or how closer can I get to God? 
And so you know me again. I'm afraid of heights. I'm not one that um, if there's a cliff and there's beauty around there, I'm not one that's standing near the edge and looking over. All right? I'll let you do that because I don't feel like your life is more important than mine, you know, like that type of thing. I will stay back here where I feel it's pretty safe, and I'll ask you to take a picture and send it to me. All right? And if you start to fall over, just throw the camera backwards, and I'll catch that, okay? But, like, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because I feel like it's safe back here. So when I camp out in places, I like to camp out where it's safe. Matter of fact, if I go camping with you, I want to be close to the road so that I know at any time if things go south, I can get out there on the highway, I can find a store, I can find a hotel, I can get to something that's just a lot better for me, okay? But what happens is, and this is what was happening in sort of Lot's mind, Lot was making a decision where he was going to camp out. And what we're going to find out later is where he camped out, and it's important to the story, and that's what it says. The area he chose was close to Sodom and Gomorrah, which was known as the most wicked, evil place of the time. And it was a place of sin. And so again, we'll get back to that in a minute. But it's important where you camp out. And I want to tell you this. There are things that we physically do that we camp out in places. So for example, some of you who may have um, like addiction issues or maybe you have a problem with alcoholism or or drugs, or whatever, one of the places you can't camp out is with people who do that type of stuff. One of the places you can't camp out is parties. You can't camp out there and say, well, I'm going to be okay because God will give me strength. You can't camp out there. You have to say, I'm going to camp out back here away from those things because I know that I can get easily enticed like that. I think in today's culture, we have to really watch out where we camp out, I think even with our families. Because I think we, we base the important things on sort of the wrong things. I think you've got to watch out today what churches you camp out in. Because there are churches that we come in contact with today that no longer believe that the Bible is the infallible Word of God, which that means that they think that the, that the Bible has problems. Well, who decides who, what the problem is? You don't want me deciding what the problem is. Because I'm going to choose everything that benefits me. You know, I have to look at the Word of God and say, this stuff is true, this stuff is real. So if I am in a church that is opposing this, I can't camp out with you anymore. Because I know that's going to affect me negatively. So I'm not going to do that. And again, I think at times you need to watch out where you camp out. Listen, some of you have struggles, and guys, I'll just sit on you for the moment, but some of us have troubles with the things that we look at. And there's things online that we shouldn't be going into or looking at. And the problem is we camp out there. We do things like make sure that, that our computer is hidden. We do things like make sure that our history is erased. We'll do things like when we're scrolling through Facebook, something will come in that'll grab our attention, and instead of getting away from it, we tend to camp out there. And then we wonder why we have problems. And what I'm saying is, we need to be a people who says, I'm not going to camp out there anymore. Like, that's not the things I'm going to give in to. And so even in my own situation, I make sure that my computer can be seen by anyone if they come in. I don't erase my history. Because I want people to be able to see where I've been. I try to make sure that my wife has a program on there that sees everything that I get into. Because I don't want to camp out there. Because I know it could be a struggle. 
And so what I'm saying is we need to draw the camp sort of back here. And it's not just about physical things because there's things mentally that we camp out in sometimes. Somebody says a negative word, instead of focusing in on all the positive things that somebody said to us, we focus on that negative word and we deal with it over and over and over again. I can't believe they said that about me. I'm such a loser. I'm devalued. Some of us camp out in our depression. And I know that that's a real thing. But the more and more we surround ourselves with people, we put in the little music, we try to stay away from people, and you know what I mean? It's like we camp out there. And I'm telling you that we've got to be careful not to camp out there. Because if we camp out there, then that's where we'll end up. And that's just going to affect us poorly and poorly and poorly. And at times we've got to say, okay, I can't do this anymore. Because if I camp out there, I know that it's going to bring me down. A, a, your kid will say, I don't want you as a parent anymore. And instead of you reasoning it out like, that kid doesn't know any better, you camp out there and say, I must be the worst parent ever. My kid says they doesn't love me. I guarantee they'll love you when they need $5. Okay? It's the way kids work. But again, we don't think that way. We just camp out there. And then it affects us negatively. And then there's the there's things that we do spiritually where we camp out in. And I know that those are struggles because it's, it's sort of the struggles I have from time to time where I look at my life and I say, God, I can't believe you would use somebody like me who's done all this stuff in my past. Why would you do that? And the devil speaks into us, doesn't he? He says, Chuck, you remember when you were a teenager? God can use you after that. You remember the way that you looked at those people the other day? Man, you ain't got God in your life. Instead of praying for those people, you already judged them. How's God going to use somebody like you? And I wrestle with that, and I say, man, you know, because we can easily listen to the devil, and spiritually we can camp out in this sort of these poor moments. And what you and I have to recognize is I can't camp out there. Where I need to camp out is at the foot of the cross. Because what Jesus did on the cross was more than enough to cover my multitudes of sins, present and in future. Like, it was enough for me. And I have to be reminded of that from time to time, that I can't camp out there in my guilt and my shame. Because if I do, I'll never be made better. Matter of fact, I'll give up on the faith altogether. But Jesus was enough on the cross. James 4, 7 says this, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. You see, so every time the devil comes in and says, Uh-uh, this is your problem. I'm going to listen to you, devil. Well, Chuck, don't you remember your past? Yeah. But God already forgot it, so it don't matter. Like, I have to resist the devil. I can't camp out here. I'm going to camp out at the foot of the cross where I know I've been forgiven. Leads us to the third point that I want to make, and especially in this story, and this is where Lot really gets himself into some troubles here. But you need to know your weaknesses. So 10.13 tells us that he looked around the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor, and it was well watered like the garden of the Lord. You know, I have no problem with what Lot does initially, because Lot looks out and says, man, this land is good. But I do have problems with a couple other things. One is this. Abraham had every right to take the better land. He was the older one. He was the one who brought him out. He should have had the choice, but he decided to give her a lot. If Lot understood his position and place, Lot should have said, no, no, you choose. But what Lot did is Lot looked at it and says, well, everything's watered well over here. Everything looks good over here. This is going to be a place that we can grow and flourish because everything is set up for us. You see, who was he putting his faith in? Himself and the earth. Who did Abraham put his source of strength in? The Lord. He told Lot, it doesn't matter what you choose. At the end of the day, God will still be with 
me. What happened for Lot is this. Lot looked at that watering. He looked at the growing pasture, looked at all that. But what did he fail to remember? He failed to remember Sodom and Gomorrah was out here. Matter of fact, listen, hardly in the book of Genesis does the writer take time to make his own interpretations. But watch what he does in there a couple times. He says, this was before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. And then he speaks in again and says, and Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked place. We don't even get into Sodom and Gomorrah until chapter 19. But the writer already wanted you to know that Lot didn't see the bigger picture. Lot didn't see that he was encamping himself close enough to where he could be taken over into the culture of Sodom and Gomorrah. Where he should have said, I'm going to choose something that is safe, he chose, and to rely on God, he chose what he thought was safe in the world's terms and forgot about this over here. And the writer wants you to know that he made a terrible decision. You see, all life's, all Lot's strength was in him, himself, was in Abram, his, 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 his big uncle, who had a big God. Matter of fact, we hear later, because of his decision to camp out here, that a kingdom came against Sodom and Gomorrah, and they overtook them, and Lot got taken with his family. And then what was interesting is Lot got taken with his family. Abram had to go to rescue them. So he rescued Lot and his family, and then he rescued those in Sodom and Gomorrah. And after it was all done in Sodom and Gomorrah, the king of Sodom said this to Abram. He said, Abram, he says, I'll give you these animals and stuff. And you know what Abram said to him? I don't want any of that stuff. He says, because I don't want you telling people that you made me rich. He says, because what makes me rich is my belief in God. And that's who's given me everything that I have. And Lot didn't even get the picture then. Lot still camped out there. Went back to Sodom and Gomorrah to where his family got entrenched in the community. Man, things got so bad in Sodom and Gomorrah and the wickedness and the sexual nature of the place. Man, there were so many diseases and God was so fed up with them that he says, I'm going to destroy this place. And told Abram, I'm going to destroy it. And Abram said, if you can find this amount of people, will you destroy it? And he says, if I can find that. And he, and he keeps breaking the summer down until it says, if I can find just 10 men, will you not destroy it? And God says, because of you, Abram, I won't destroy it if you can find 10 righteous people. And Abram said, could you make sure my family gets out if you destroy it? Yes. And so it says that God sent two angels into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And as he sent two angels in there, they began to look around the place, and they couldn't find anyone that was righteous. And they went into Lot's house, and they told Lot and his family, you need to leave. And Lot told his kids, let's get out of here. He told his, he told his uh, son-in-laws, you need to come too. While they were in there, it says the men of the country wanted to come in and wanted to sleep with those guys and take advantage of them. And it says, God blinded them, allowed Lot and his family to get out, but the son-in-laws would not go. And so it was just him and his daughters. They said, he told them, when you leave, he says, don't look back because we're getting ready to destroy this place. Lot and his family got out of there, his daughters, his wife, but his wife was still tempted by the things of there. She looked back and it says she turned into a pillar of salt. You see, they camped out there near Sodom and Gomorrah. You see, people, we have to understand what our weaknesses are. And in life, I've come to the place where I know my weaknesses are, and I thank God for that. I don't know every single weakness I already had, but I know that for me, I have a very addictive personality. And so I'm so thankful 
I'm so thankful because when I, when, when I play games and stuff and, and I like it, I want to play it over and over. I'm right now on a big, like, I'm addicted to puzzles. I know that sounds crazy. But I do puzzles, like, every day now. Like, that's just all I want. And not the kids' ones that you can get it, like, in five steps, you know. I'm talking about the bigger puzzles, okay, that take a little bit of time. But I love that, you know. But I also know that my personality is very addictive. So I was very thankful for me personally that I've never had alcohol. Why? I'd be an alcoholic. So don't camp out there. Because I know I can't handle it. I don't buy lottery tickets. Why? I have addictive personality. I would buy as many lottery tickets as I could, probably put the rent on it, and my, 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 my family would have struggles. So I don't camp out there. Because I know that that's my weakness. And I think, church, we have to understand what our weakness is so we don't camp out there. And I think the other thing that needs to happen is this, church. You and I need to understand that the decisions and choices we make affect those around us. And so as a parent, man, I want my kids to be involved in a lot of things, and I want them to grow in a lot of things. And so sports is a big thing for me. So I get out there, and I throw the ball with my kids. I make sure they're involved in a different sport program. I make sure that they do some of the traveling teams. But what I found out is this, is that I was a youth pastor for 26 years. I never had one kid, never had one kid that was like a really an all-star in college. But we spent a lot of money making sure that they could have that potential to do that. Nothing ever came of it. And what I've understood is this, is that if that's where I camp out, then that's going to be the culture of my kids. What I need to make sure is that they understand this. Sports and music and all those things are fun. But where I need you to camp out is in the Word of God. I need you to camp out in the church. Because at the end of the day, those are things that are going to stick with you. You see, Lot took his family, put him in my Sodom and Gomorrah. Their family, you know how I said all the, the sexual stuff was going on there and how they messed up? His daughters were so messed up in their thinking that even when they saw how the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, they decided later to get their dad drunk and they wanted to have some kids so they slept with their dad. And they thought that was okay. Because this is where they camped out. And this is where I'm afraid for the church. Well, this is where I'm afraid for our society. Because the things some churches are allowing today, man, are just not biblical. And I don't get to choose what's right and wrong in the Bible. All I know, it's the infallible word of God. And if the Bible says that this is wrong, then it's wrong. And I can't camp out there. And I have to leave churches over that. And I know some of you recently have left churches because of those issues. You can't camp out there. You know what? And the church becomes no different than the world. And eventually God's going to come destroy it. So I'm not going to camp out there. I'm going to camp out with God. I'm going to camp out in his word. And I'm going to tell, let it tell me what's right and wrong. And then that's what I'm going to follow. So my question for you as we wrap up today is, what will you choose to be your lot in life? Like, where are you going to set up camp at? Are you going to set up camp in the things of this world? Are you going to set up camp with those who gossip and just bring you down? Are you going to set up your camp with people who just make you think you're not worth it? Are you going to set up your camp with people who are lazy? Are you going to set up camp where everyone says everything's okay now? Or are you going to set up camp at the foot of the cross and say that the word of God is more important than anything else? And that's where I'm going to be. Would you stand with me this morning? And let's pray together. Father, man, your word is just so powerful and it's real and it's true. 
And we're looking at our world today, Father, and I, it, man, it just breaks my heart at times because the decisions and the choices that we're making and even people who stand in the same position I do, they may even speak at times with more authority like they know more things. But Father, man, if they, <laughs> if they take anything out of context in the Bible, man, they're wrong. And I pray that you would convict us of that and I would pray that you would bring us leaders under submission and that we would desperately follow your word. I pray that as a group of people that we call these things out, that we would understand too that we have got to rely on the word of God as our source of authority. We've got to think the things of this world are what's going to give us happiness or this is what's going to strengthen us. We've got to keep thinking to ourselves that, you know, I've got to take this next job because it's more money. But if it affects me not being the man that I need to be for my family, just help me say no to that because I want to camp out there. I want to make sure that my family knows who you are. I want to make sure that I know who you are. Help me to know what my strengths are and that my source of strength comes from you. Help me to surround myself with people that are wise and who bring fruit into my life and who challenge me from time to time. Help me to camp out in the right places. Then help me to understand my weaknesses so that I don't get close to that because I know that I could easily fall over into sin. But help me be a person that stays back and says, this is where I'm camping out today because this is a safe place. And at the end of the day, God's got me. So thank you, Father, for loving us today, for convicting us when you convicted. And I pray that you would give us a blessed week. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, thanks for being with us today, and we'll see you again next week. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.